Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. Well, I'm bracing myself because we have an event coming up at our church here in Colorado. A guest speaker is coming to spend a weekend with us, and the theme of his teaching is going to be evangelism, sharing our faith in life and word. So I'm preparing myself for an uncomfortable time because that word evangelism is a stun grenade of a word guaranteed to make most Christians feel guilty whenever it's mentioned. As a shame inducer, it's like that other word that usually makes us duck, prayer. As a preacher, I'm occasionally tempted to imply that I pray more than I actually do. I was in prayer earlier this morning, friends, I gently murmur, my face a saintly mask, And with one sentence, I imply that I awaken the dawn and the cat with hours of fervent intercession. The reality is that I only muttered two sentences to God while searching for the tea bags, one of which was, Lord, where's the tea bags? Crimson-faced Christians cringe, feeling quite undone in the presence of such a mighty prayer warrior as I. The word evangelism creates a similar crisis. We know that we've got epic news to share and so can live in unending neurosis that we're not doing enough to get the word out. My early years as a Christian were spent on the edge of agitation. Surely I had to talk about Jesus right now with the milkman, the bloke who sat next to me on the bus, or the plane, all my friends, my family, and the lady behind the fish counter in Sainsbury's. So tonight, let's talk about our call to talk about Jesus, because we have news, and it's really good news. We're talking about evangelism. Now, I know I often talk about airports. That's because I spend much of my life in them. I find airports increasingly stressful, especially when passing through security. It's hard to relax while being eyed up by stony-faced officials who are concerned that you might be smuggling a nuclear warhead in your carry-on, or worse still, a bottle of water. But I especially dislike the immigration area with those automatic barriers that lead to passport scanners. I worry that a malfunctioning gate might treat me to a free amputation, and I like both my legs. Approaching the immigration zone in an airport recently, I joined the mildly befogged gaggle of bleary-eyed passengers who were sleep-deprived from their night flights. Unsure of which lane to choose, we approached a really bored-looking chap who was sporting an employee badge. He would be the one to ask, or so I thought. I was so very wrong. Are we in the right passport check lane, I ventured. Go whatever there, green light, he mumbled, which did nothing to dispel my confusion. Sorry? What did you say? I ventured hopefully, but in vain. Yeah, go, stay away. No, he replied. Other passengers approached him, and he grunted, responding with sentences that were quite incomprehensible. He impatiently waved some on without an answer. 
One by one, people shrugged their shoulders and shuffled on, none the wiser. It was then that I noticed that this uncommunicative chap had a huge letter I printed on the back of his T-shirt, the I enclosed in a fluorescent yellow circle. The word information was printed under the circle. This man is employed for one purpose, to provide information for hapless travellers. Being informative is his job description. But for whatever reason, nobody could extract anything remotely helpful from him. I'm wondering if something similar has happened to some of us. When it comes to clearly sharing the gospel, which is news that, as I said, is really good, I think perhaps we've gone rather quiet, if not almost mute. I've heard those sermons that rightly call us to social engagement, but the sermons often include an ancient quote that's wrongly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Francis is famous not only for chatting with passing squirrels, but also modelling a life that dramatically pointed to the kingdom of God. Perhaps you've heard the quote, or actually the misquote, by all means, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Francis didn't actually say that, but the quote implies that living the message is enough, that there's just no need to verbalize it, and it's actually preferable if you don't. This teaching brought enormous relief to many, including me, because in my early days of faith, I inanely blethered on about God to just about everyone who would listen, and a few who never did listen. But the man from Assisi didn't teach that at all. He actually said, it is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. Francis' message was simple. Don't broadcast an idea if your life totally contradicts the broadcast. We're all called to live what we believe. The gospel has always been news to both show and tell. The story needs to be spoken, as it evidenced by some words that come from another ancient, Paul the Apostle. In his letter to Titus, his apprentice, who had the tough task of leading a church in the island of Crete, where back then people were famously awkward, Paul encourages slaves to live a gospel life that will enhance gospel truth, so that, as he said, in every way they will make the teaching about God our Saviour attractive. We can read that in Titus 2 verse 10. That doesn't mean that every act of goodness must be accompanied by proclamation, but it does surely mean that we are ready, willing, and able to talk naturally about Jesus and his love as opportunity affords. There are people who are lost, who very much need to be found. They need to be informed about the way to life. Who knows? Today, this week, we might be able to nudge someone towards Christ. But that won't happen if you and I are incoherent, irrelevant, or inaudible. Being informative about Jesus, it's our job description. And by the way, all of this talk about airports nudges me to request prayer for the many, maybe thousands of frustrated travellers whose travel plans have been paralysed by the difficulties this last week. Recently, we decided to add a video sign for the outside of our church building. 
some listeners might feel that this is an extravagance and many churches would not have the resources or desire to spend money on signage. But a road study revealed that around 11 million cars pass our campus every year. It seems like a good idea to let people know when we actually meet and invite them to join us. One shouldn't need an angelic revelation to discover the time set for a church service. We've also determined that cheesy Christian slogans will be banned from our shiny new electronic gizmo. Over the years, I've spotted quite a few horrific church signs. If you think it's hot here, just wait, chortled one sign during a particularly toasty heat wave. That's right up there with eternity, smoking or non-smoking. Of course, some of the awfulness is well-intentioned, like the church that message passes by with the news, we love hurting people. Obviously an attempt to be welcoming that went badly wrong, and then come in for a faith list sounds like an invitation to a surgical procedure that might just leave you with a lisp. God is actually into signs. His occasional provision of signs and wonders are proof of that. When spiritual fireworks are ignited, they are designed not to cheer up or even excite believers, but to turn the heads and hearts of lost people and help them come home. But surely God's ultimate signage is us. Some suggest that those who are searching for God should not look at his church, but rather look at Jesus, which is difficult as Jesus is currently invisible to the mortal eye. And God's intention has always been that a bewildered world should be able to look at his people and catch a glimpse of his likeness. Israel was called to be a beacon, a light to the nations, and the church is the community that is the light of the world. We are called to share our faith verbally, as I mentioned earlier, but we're not called to rant at others about the way they should live. Rather, we're called to show the world the pathway to Jesus by the way that we live. That high calling can be overwhelming because we are at best a broken sign with our faults and flaws and fusses. We serve one who is called Lord, but he's not yet fully our Lord. Years ago, I spotted another church sign that declared, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Which sounds right enough, but it's utterly debilitating. As one still on the kingdom journey, I know that my every thought, motive, and action does not yet sit under his lordship. And if you think differently of yourself, let me know, because I can recommend a good counsellor. But even though the light that we shine often flickers, our high calling is to live provocative lives, signs that make people wonder, making lifestyle choices that nudge questions, a people ready to give the reason for the hope that we have, living and speaking about our faith. And we're called to be authentic too. Often Christians are accused of hypocrisy because our lives don't fully match our message. And that's just unfair because we're the first ones to admit that we're sinners in need of a savior. We don't posture ourselves as those who've arrived, but rather we invite others to join us in our walk with Christ. We can be open about our brokenness, our doubts, our struggles, because we follow the one who is not only the way, but the truth with it. Speaking of honesty, recently I spotted a sign outside another church. That congregation is definitely committed to truth. It said, come here this Sunday and hear our pastor. He's not very good, but he's quick. Perhaps that's just a bit too authentic. So, 
In our lives, in our serving, with our words, let's be living signs that point to Jesus this week. It all started when some gremlins visited. While I was sleeping, those bacterial invaders quietly removed the inside lining of my throat and replaced it with sandpaper. A tickle became a cough, and the leading invader, a pesky cold virus, reduced me to a wheezing, watery-eyed, sniffling wreck, box of tissues permanently in hand. I imbibed so many of those lemony hot drinks that I probably smelled like a Spanish orchard. Apparently, a warthog wandered into our bedroom at night. At least, that's what my snoring sounded like, according to my wife. And while Kay was not exactly walking around ringing a bell and screaming, unclean, unclean, she was certainly keeping her distance. But one of the worst symptoms of all of that had been the loss of my voice. For someone who preaches a lot, broadcasts on Premier Christian Radio, and generally likes to natter to people, this is not good. I've been wondering, as I've reflected about evangelism, whether I have lost my voice. I've been somewhat unwilling to speak up about Jesus. And so, I don't want to return to my nervous agitation about evangelism that I mentioned earlier, but surely we all, as the Bible says, need to be always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, to give the reason for the hope that we have, and do this with gentleness and respect. We read that in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. The gospel is news. We, in word and life, are newscasters. With God's help, let's broadcast for Jesus this week. See you next week. Lucas on Life.